family member and uh, ask that you guys keep him in prayer. Um, I know that he's had a little cold and stuff, and yet he gets the joy and the privilege of being able to go and do a relative's uh, wedding. So thankful for that. How many of you guys know Andy Dean or have remembered when Danny's, Andy was here? Andy is the uh, uh, dean of the Bible College out in Marietta. Just an amazing man of God, and uh, some of you will remember a couple of years ago, well, he's done our men's retreat, he's been there before, but some of you will remember where he went all the way from Genesis to Revelation and spoke of Christ from the very beginning throughout the whole time, and he quoted scripture after scripture after scripture, and probably about halfway in, you're going, this man has no notes, you know, and uh, Andy said that... Uh, the fear of doing that is that people start looking to him and marveling at what he was able to do, and he did not ever want to do that, where it was just an amazing thing that God had brought him through. I remember sitting there that day just going, whoa, this is great. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's not going to do that tonight or tomorrow, but uh, I'm so thankful that every time he is here, that God does some amazing things uh, through that time. So I want to encourage you guys to come back for that. Uh, yes, David. He was. When, when he did our 55 plus, he was the guy in the video for the 9-11. He was actually there, uh, one of the students from New York uh, University, and uh, was helping out. And I think Giuliani actually referenced him in one of the speeches um, because he was right below as the towers came down. He told his mom while he was on the phone that he was on the other side of town. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but God had used him because he was... He was involved in the world at the time. Though a believer, he had fallen away. And uh, God had used that very tragic event to bring him back to the Lord. I uh, know that Craig had mentioned a little bit about the upcoming conference. Uh, I remember many years ago, I was at a different denominational church, and I was up at the men's retreat, and I took a blood oath that I would never go to another men's retreat. It was so horrible. It was just horrible. And I absolutely hated it. For some reason, I found myself going up to another men's retreat. It happened to be with Calvary Chapel, and they were in the Word. I could sense the Holy Spirit mightily working, and God had radically changed my heart from I'm never going to go again to not being able to say, man, I want to be with those brothers. And so, guys, if you have been praying about going to the November 9th conference, um, I want to encourage you to do that. I know that Craig had shared with us the, the limited time and the limited space, but even to the last moment, we would love for you guys to come up. It's a free event on that Saturday. The things that's costing us and the things that we need to know now is just that we're trying to reserve the rooms. So those are those guys who want to come up on Friday, uh, go to the beach, have the barbecue, the time of worship, and then Pastor John teaching, and then having a place to stay is what we pretty much are looking at administratively. And so we're trying to take care of all that now. But if you've ever taken a blood oath and said you never want to go again, we want to invite you out to come and join us. It should be an absolute uh, fun time. Probably got a hint that we're going to be in Psalm 27 uh, this morning. If you have your Bibles, you may want to turn there. And I uh, want to share with you a little bit as to uh, what the Lord was doing in my heart as to why I wanted to go there. I think a lot of times when we think about October, uh, we think about, obviously, Halloween. Uh, we've been preparing for the Harvest Fest, and we're excited about that. We, as believers, do not want to give the devil his holiday or, you know, to give him any glory or credit. 
but it can become a very, very dark time. We see horrible images. I think over the last several years, we start turning on our TVs and we see uh, these shows about witchcrafts, mutilations, uh, destruction, destroying. The scarier, the better. And people are actually getting more and more and more excited about how gross things can get, and they're starting to glorify in it. And the enemy loves to play on our fears. I was at um, Albertsons the other day, and uh, just kind of strolling, doing some little shopping, and I saw this little tiny boy who's probably about four years old, and there were these jack-o'-lanterns that were there, and he had just passed the Halloween section, and there's just a lot of darkness that was there. And he said, Daddy, they're, they're so scary. And his dad's trying to comfort his little boy. Are they going to eat me? And his dad's like, no, son, they're not going to eat you. And I thought, whoa, hey, uh, we got this harvest thing going on at our church on October 31st. We've got ponies if you want to come out to be a part of that. And uh, invited him to come out and wanted to encourage him in that. But I was just thinking about how the enemy so much wants to use that fear factor in our lives. But of course, <coughs> we're, we're guys. We're, we're not afraid of anything. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wrong. Man, guys, there's a ton of things that when my eyes are on those things that are around me, I could get easily startled. I can easily find myself going on to DEFCON 4 and uh, starting to look at the circumstances and the situations that are around me and start to uh, get caught off guard. And fear starts overriding my life. And so what I wanted to share with you this morning is a little bit about what do you do when fear increases and uh, you want to get a hold of that. You want to get it under control. And so, Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the joy and the blessing to be able to come to you with the things that are happening in our lives, knowing that you know exactly how we're built. I thank you for the diversity of the body and for how you have created us differently. And for some of us, Lord, it just seems like on the surface, nothing seems to face us. And for others, we're just a little bit more sensitive to the things that are happening. And yet, God, there's a commonality that we have, and that's that we're men of the flesh. And often we desire to see things through the eyes of the flesh, to respond in the flesh, and to try to make sense and correct the things that are happening. But your word says that it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, declares the Lord. And so, Lord, help us today as we get into Psalm 27 and to trust you for what you have purposed for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 27 begins, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my, the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I heard a story about this um, passenger who was taking a taxi cab. And you guys know that, I mean, the Uber thing, I don't know, can you sit up in the front? But most of the time, ca taxi cabs, you sit in the back, right? And the uh, guy gets into the taxi cab, and he uh, leans over to ask the cabbie a question. And he gently just touches him on his shoulder, and he begins to uh, try to get his attention. And at that point, the driver begins to scream. Aah! 
he loses control of the car. He starts swerving. He nearly hits a bus, goes driving up onto the curb, and just before he hits into the plain glass window, his car stops. And there is just absolutely dead silence. They sit there for several minutes not saying a word because it was so exactly so tragic, the things that were happening. And then the cabbie asked, are you okay? He says, I'm so sorry, but you scared the daylights out of me. The badly shaken passenger apologized to the driver and he said, I didn't realize that a mere tap on your shoulder would startle someone so badly. The driver replied, no, 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 no. I'm the one who is sorry. He says, it's entirely my fault. He says, today is the very first day of me driving a cab. See, I've been driving a hearse for the last 25 years. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe that's the situation that you have been in is that you have been startled or feared. David's eyes were on the Lord because he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength. And, I, and I'm thankful for that. But you, see, you see the colored letters, the my light, my salvation, strength of my life? It's like that's who God was to him. It wasn't just something that was far away. He began to identify that character and quality in his life. And I started to think that, Lord, you are my joy. You are my peace. You are my patience and kindness. And I don't know if you've ever been in one of those situations where people will see you in the midst of a very tough time and they're going to go, there's something different about you. <laughs> It seems like you always got a smile on your face, or it seems like even in the midst of things that are falling apart, you still have a peace and a joy. And I think that that was true about um, David's life, is that he had Jesus as his intimate companion, and he was trusting him to fill those voids in his life. A lot of you have heard one of my favorite quotes, and I say it quite often, so some of you are going to just say, please get off of it, but I really believe that this is a, an important point uh, that happens. He said, if I focus on myself, I'm guaranteed to be depressed. If I focus on others, I will become angry and bitter. If I focus on circumstances, I will become full of fear and anxiety. But if I focus on God, I will find joy and peace. It all depends on where we keep our eyes, isn't it? Because we can easily begin to look at all these different kind of things and get distracted. And, and I think that that's one of the enemy's tools. Do you remember back in the garden when God said that to Adam and Eve, you can have all of this. This is all yours. You may eat of this freely, but do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And suddenly the serpent comes in and he begins to accentuate the one tree over all the other blessings that God had given him. And I believe that there's a tendency within ourselves to walk by sight and not by faith. And I think that that's a true testimony about my life often as a believer is that I can claim and rest and trust in the truth and the promises of God, but I also am a man of the flesh 
And the very things that I share with you are the very things that I need to hold on to and not lose sight of myself is that, Lord, may I come running back to you. May I keep my eyes on you. So the question is, where was David's focus? What was the big bold print? The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my strength of my life. And so David's focus, his eyes were on the Lord. This the same thing that he's encouraging us to do. I, I think some of you will remember Hebrews chapter 12, and that was like, the thing that came to my mind was fix our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12 says, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus or fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of faith. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. And guys, I want to encourage you uh, to do that. But what was happening in David's life at that time? There's a lot of things that were going on with David's life. Um, we don't really exactly know when he wrote the 23rd Psalm. We just know that he was dealing with a ton of stuff. If you have your Bibles and you're in Psalm 27, go back to Psalm 13 just real quickly. I won't spend a lot of time there, but can you, I want you to hear David's heart in Psalm 13 as he was dealing with situations in his life. And man, they are so deep, so heavy. He was going through a lot of times of despondency and discouragement. He says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemies be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him, lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. It's pretty heavy stuff, isn't it? He is going through so much trials and difficulties that he thinks he's going to die, that his enemies are going to prevail over him, that he's trying to seek counsel in his soul all the day long. He's trying to figure this out. He's trying to make sense of it. When will this stuff go away? Some people believe that he wrote this maybe after he had killed Goliath. Others, if you can see in the verses that we even have, is that he thought that God was hiding from him. Perhaps Saul, who was pursuing him and wanting to kill him. I was reading in 1 Samuel 23 where Saul's army had encircled him. He was hanging out in the caves and destitute. As we read through Psalm 27, his mother and father even forsook him. Have you ever been at those places where maybe somebody at work has been hounding you? People within your family, your own family, the ones that you love are the ones that are coming against you? that the trials and the difficulties that have been happening in your life are compounded and they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. See, that, that's the position that David is writing from. Think about um, our own lives, fear in our own lives. And maybe some of you can, can relate to some of this. Fear of the unknown, fear of calamity, fear of sickness or disease, fear of a phone going off while you're sharing. Fear of people, fear of losing our jobs, maybe fear of enemy attacks, fear of being either misunderstood or 
rejected, criticized, or forgotten. Fear of being alone. You know, those things, we're not immune to any of them. Last night, Julie and I were starting to kick back, start to relax, and get a phone call from some of our friends from our church in Lake Arrowhead yesterday. And there was a little girl here uh, that lived in Las Vegas, that lives in Las Vegas, that drowned yesterday. She's two years old. And uh, the mom and the dad, where the families were with them, they were reviving her, and she was on life support. And uh, we got the call and said, can you go and pray with the family? And Julie and I went over there, and we were up in the UMC, and we were looking through the children's ward, and we saw the machines and stuff hooked up to her. And they said that she, if she lives, she, she'll never talk, and she'll probably never walk, and all these things. And to think that as a grandparent, where Julie and I are at, having our own little two-year-old, and to think that how quickly things can happen. There's fears in our own lives, guys. Each one of us uh, may be contending with things from different ways and different uh, positions of having to walk through those, those times. And so I just you know, kind of wanted to just share that we're not immune to it. There's, there's the fear of God, which is um, a fear of awe, that we're in reverence to them, but there's also that fear of dread, and I think that that's one of the things that we often contend. I've got this picture I wanted to show you. Uh, not sure uh, if you can tell what's actually happening, but can you see all those little dots around that guy? Okay. Um, those are honeybees. And that is up in the Himalayas, up in the foothills in the Himalayas. They're up in the cliffs of the shadows of these honeycombs. And these are the world's largest honeybees. Check, the, check this out, this little kid who's eating this. Uh, next slide, there we go. <laughs> are those incredible? Now, there's a man that was on that rope, and his name was Mani Lal. And uh, he is a bee hunter. He's a honey hunter. And... Um, and uh, that's what he does uh, for a living. Then the man taking the picture, his name is Eric Volley. He is a French photographer, and he was working for National Geographic. And as he's out there, he himself, now these guys have the rope ladders. Uh, Eric Volley was dangling from a nylon rope 395 feet from the cliff of the rock. And he's hanging out there and thousands of bees are buzzing around both of those men. But Lal, who was a veteran of hundreds and hundreds of attacks, was totally calm. The guy who was doing that all the time. But not so for Mr. Volley. Describing the moment in National Geographic, he says, there were so many bees, I was afraid that I might freak out. But I knew that if I did, I would be dead. And so I took a deep breath and relaxed. Getting stung would be better than finding myself at the bottom of the cliff, he said. One of the, I, I have this mantra that I tell my wife and I tell my friends when we're going through difficulties and tough times, and that is don't panic. Stop. Breathe. Don't react too quickly to the things that are happening around you. I think that that photographer could have actually, wah, wah, 
easily. But isn't that the way we are sometimes when things come into our life, we begin to panic? I love this quote. Fear can send someone, send a person plummeting to destruction. Some believers fearing the sting of persecution, testing and temptation have compromised their faith and slipped from the lifeline of Christ, which is why the Bible teaches us to fear God alone. And it's the whole idea, guys, of in the midst of those times and those difficulties and those trials that we begin to take our eyes off of our lifeline, off of the Lord, and we begin to look at those situations around us. There are many times that in my life, as I mentioned to you about David, is that I too walk by sight and not by faith. But here's something that I think is important for all of us to know. It's in the midst of those hard times, not in the absence of it, that we're standing in our faith, seeking after the Lord and trusting him. As Pastor John's been going through this series in Revelation, and he's looking at the persecuted church. I remember several months ago watching the movie Tortured for Christ, and it was just amazing to see this man and all that he had gone through, and I'm sitting there watching that going, I don't know if I could do that. I'd gone to Pastor John and I said, John, I, I don't know where I would be if somebody, you know, tortured me for my faith. And he said, I really believe that the Holy Spirit gives you the strength for the time that we uh, are going through that. And then it's not about whether we can or cannot, but we trust and rely upon the Lord. I'm sitting here going through the Revelation study with the rest of you guys, and I'm hearing him talk about the persecuted church. And in church, while we're singing the songs and we're around all these other believers, it's, yes, bring it on, I'm ready. <laughs> and then somebody sees you out in public and saying, isn't that a Bible? Oh, persecution, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's, we don't know persecution. We don't know the difficulties and the trials, and yet... What he's trying to encourage us is that it's not in the removal of those trials or the difficulties or the stings or the heartache or the longevity of it. It's in the midst of it that we begin to hold fast to him and to trust him for the things that are happening. See, I think that David had an intimate companionship with the living God. And so in Psalm 13 and Psalm 27 and all these different places, whether he's singing out in praise or he's singing out in requesting and asking God to help him during those times that he can't even figure it out himself, he's trusting God through those times. Oswald Chambers said, solitude with God repairs the damage done by the fret and noise and clamor of the world. Solitude with God. Pastor John, if you were here on Wednesday, he had shared this, and I'm always butchering it, but it's intimacy with God is the solution to all of our problems. So Oswald Chambers is encouraging us to get alone with him. Pastor John is encouraging us to be intimate with him. But sadly, some of us do not have a personal, intimate relationship with God. We have the churchianity. We're, we're doing the outside stuff that everybody else is doing. We're bringing our Bible. We're singing the songs. We're singing hallelujah, and we're lifting up our hands. But what is this intimacy? What is this solitude? It's the living God who wants to have a personal relationship with us. And some of you 
Many of you have experienced that. But even those of you who have experienced it, maybe some of you have been distant for some time. And in that distance, the enemy's been beating you up. How could God possibly still love you? <laughs> Man, you hypocrite. A lot of people think you got it together, but you got nothing. And we begin to buy the lie of the enemy and we think that God has separated himself from us and he's distant and how could he possibly love me? And I had a friend this past week said that if I fall into this temptation, I can never come back. And I'm thinking, man, how many people believe that? How many people believe that this God who demonstrated his love towards us and that while we were yet a sinner, Christ died for us, how could he now that we're his kids not desire and long for that relationship with him again? The enemy is kicking butt. <laughs> and maybe there's some of you here that, you know, it's like solitude with God, intimacy with God. He knows what I've done and there's no way until I start cleaning myself up that I can come back to him. Please, please, that is a lie. It is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, declares the Lord. It's not that you've cleaned yourself up because God demonstrated his love towards you and that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. He loves you right where you're at. If you could clean yourself up for him, then the cross was foolishness. Why would he had to have died if our own actions can get us into the right relationship with him? Soberly, we cannot it's all about him. He can do things through his grace and mercy that we do not deserve because he's a God who loves us unconditionally. And so if you are here today and you have been struggling and thinking that you are so distant and so far away from God that there's no way that you can get back, I want to remind you that this is the same God who loved you before you were a believer. <laughs> he's not stopped loving you. And he desires that intimate, personal relationship. And many of you here today who have been struggling and wrestling with things that are in your life and you're seeking counsel and you're trying to fix everything, go take a ride up to Mount Charleston. Go on the trail somewhere and take your Bible. And even if you can't get the words out, just get lonely with him and saying, God, it's just me and you. And man, it stinks. And I'm afraid. And I've screwed things up. And allow the Lord to speak to your heart and to minister to you to let you know how much he loves you. I'm reminded of cease striving. Be still and know that I am God. And guys, we have a tendency of wanting to try to fix things. If I only say the right words, if I do the only the right things, if I come at the right time, then it's going to get better. Cease striving and know that I am God. Because of David's intimacy with God, knowing the presence of the Lord, David writes, whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? If God be for us, what does it say? Who can be against us? Who can be feared? Not man, for certainly what can man do to us? What about other gods? <laughs> where they're non-entities, they don't really exist. And so we are trusting the living God to take care of us. How about the devil? Flip Wilson used to say, the devil made me do it. Woo! I think we made ourselves do it, and the devil just kind of helped a little bit. But you know what? They can't do anything without God's permission. And so the idea of us holding fast to him. 
It's encouraging to note that in Psalm 23, David says, I shall not want. In Psalm 26, I shall not slip. And in Psalm 27, my heart shall not fear. In each of these cases, it's that personal presence and provision of the Lord. Um, if God is distant from us, if we're not having that relationship with him, then we're going it alone. And that's where it gets really tough. Is that guys, for the most part, we're loners anyway. Uh, we're lucky if we have one or two friends if we, if, at, at that. And so when we're not hanging out and abiding in him, it's a real tough place for us to be. Verses two and three. When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. And though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war may rise against me. In this, I will be confident. And so what we looked at is what was David going through? There was wickedness. There were enemies, foes, armies encamped against him, war that was happening all around him. He wasn't naive to the things that were happening, and just because he was King David didn't mean that he had an immunity clause. I love that word. It says when, not if. Remember in uh, James chapter 1? He says, um, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. You know, we are guaranteed, though. There's, it's, it's not the exception, it's the norm. Guys, we will have trials and difficulties and things that are coming in my, our lives, and we will constantly be bombarded by those things. And so when those things happen, we need to trust in him. At the end of uh, verse 3 here, it says, in this, I will be confident. And it says, in spite of this. And literally, I am confident means the danger was imminent. Pressure was mounting. Severe days were ahead. He had every reason to be shaking. Yeah, but he was standing firm, confident. And it doesn't mean self-reliant or brave. It means to trust, to be secure, to have assurance, not in his own strength, but God. Remember on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. It's, it's on him. There was an old hymn by George Duffield, Stand Up for Stand Up for Jesus. Some of you guys might remember that. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. Ye dare not trust your own. Put on the gospel armor. Each piece put on with prayer. When duty calls or danger, be um, never wanting there. Isn't that the tendency, though, sometimes for us, is to be able to try to do it in our own strength, in our own ability? Verses four through six revolved around David's desire to maintain a constant, intimate fellowship with the Lord. And notice that he repeats these references to the Lord's house. So check this out. One thing that I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret places of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. 
and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praise to the Lord. Isn't it amazing that that's where he wanted to be? He wanted to be where the Lord had him. A lot of times when people are coming in for counseling and we're sitting down and talking, I'll ask them, you know, so where are you at with the Lord? Some of them don't know the Lord at all. So I know that the starting base is a little bit different. The things of God are foolishness to those who don't believe. But if they say, you know what, I've known the Lord for a long time. Well, how are you doing with them? Uh, not too well. And I ask them, are you, are you in fellowship somewhere? Are you going to church? How's your time in the word? What are you doing with your prayer life? And then I stop and I say, and I'm not asking you, are you checking off the box, I'm going to church? Am I checking off the box that I'm praying? Am I checking off the box that I'm reading the word? I'm saying, are you hanging out with the Lord and his people? Are you in his tabernacle? Are you in fellowship with other believers so that these guys can pray for you and encourage you and allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through them to give you a word of exhortation? Are you spending time in the word so that you can hear God speak to you and minister to your heart? Are you praying and talking with God and sharing with him so that he can respond to your specific needs because you're acknowledging them before him? And I think that that's what David wanted to do is he wanted to be where the Lord was. So guys, if you happen to be here today and you may have come to a Thursday or a Sunday morning, don't let this be a little box to be checked off, but to say, I get to be with other men. I get to be in God's house. I get to seek after him and trust him for the things that are happening. Now, have you ever noticed the personal, singular pronouns that David uses here? <laughs> check, check out the highlight at once. What does he say? I have desired. I seek. I may dwell. My life what does he say? Uh, shall hide me. Uh, he shall hide me. He shall set me, my head, above my enemies, around me. Therefore, I will. And then he says, I will sing. I will sing praises to the Lord. Personal pronouns, singular. It's like, this is his diary. We've had a chance to look at David going like, God, this is me and you here. Wouldn't that be exciting for us to be able to acknowledge the intimacy that we have? Lord, it's this is between you and I. This is what's going on between the two of us. Lord, I am so thankful for you. Yes, I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. See, I think that that is the result of maintaining a close walk with the Lord. There is so much joy in finding victory in the Lord. David comes to the Lord with his requests. And I really believe that he is not being flippant about that. I think that sometimes, you know, we have people who come out of Catholicism, and one of the things that I want to say that is I see that a lot of times people in Catholicism see God as holy and reverent, that it's almost like I can't approach him because he's God Almighty. And then in the Christian church, like, he's Abba Father, Yo, daddy, come on and see me. Like, and we have that flippant attitude where we've swung so far over saying he's, he's a God who's approachable, so I'm just going to ask him anything I want. I think that we have to be careful about that, that he is a God who should absolutely be revered. 
but he's also a God who's absolutely approachable. And I believe that David is now going to come and make his requests. Hebrew 4, 16 says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and to find grace to help in time of need. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. So in verse 7, listen to David as he says, hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. See the highlighted words that are there? When you say, seek my face, my heart shall said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your serv servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me or forsake me, O God of my salvation. Verse 10, when my father and my mother forsook, forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. You know, and for some unknown reason, we don't know why that his parents had forsaken him and deserted him and abandoned him. And it's kind of like in Psalm 22 where it says, my God, my God, that was that prophetic uh, psalm that says, why have you forsaken me? David was forsaken by his own folks. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, or fa for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breath out, uh, breathe out violence. And then verse 13, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You can see that David was petitioning and asking God for specific things. Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, shall I, you know, how long will my enemies exalt over me? Guys, when you're going through tough times, be real with God. He knows everything that's going on. Sometimes we try to hedge our words or we don't want to say certain things because we don't want him to really know what's happening, but he does. And so be real with him. At the very end, verse 14, he says, wait on the Lord and be of good courage. I think David is exhorting himself to wait. He realizes that the pressures would not soon leave nor his enemies do a turnabout face during this time. That there's some waiting that takes place. The word wait here, the verb form, means to twist or to stretch. The noun form means line, cord, or thread. It's making up a strong, powerful rope or cord by twisting and weaving ourselves so tightly around the Lord that our weakness and frail, frail characteristics are replaced by his power and his strength. This uh, picture on the left is moaning caverns. I have been there many times. It's 163 foot repel to the bottom of the cave. I am a very big, heavy man. <laughs> and when you're up there and you're repelling off of that, this little cord is able to hold a big guy like me and probably about two or three other people uh, as well. 
They say sometimes somewhere between 2,000 and 6,000 pounds uh, when they're wound properly. And uh, I think that that's where we need to be. That some of us are doing it in our own strength, in our own ability. We're not waiting on the Lord and we're not trusting Him for the things that are happening in our lives. I'm going to close in prayer and then I'm going to just point you quickly to some questions around the table. Uh, just to perhaps consider. Lord, I thank you for these men. I thank you for your word. I thank you for David, and I'm thankful of how real he was, how he praised you and thank you for being the God who knew everything that he was going through and who was able to deliver him, to be his light, to be his salvation, to be his hope and his peace and his joy. Lord, we pray that for ourselves as well. Lord, help us to hold fast to the truth of your word. I commit this small group time to you, Lord, and just ask that you would do some mighty work within it. In Jesus' name, amen.